Welcome to the Alliance Safety and Loss Control Podcast, dedicated to bringing you insightful tips and strategies to help mitigate risk and help promote worksite safety one episode at a time. Hello and welcome to the podcast today. My name is Tim Leach. I'm the Director of Risk Control for Alliance Insurance Services. And today we have Mark Lilliman on the line. Mark's going to be talking a little bit about systems approach versus the compliance approach to safety. And we're doing these podcasts in celebration of the National Safety Month. Mark, did you want to share a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Thanks for inviting me today, Tim. I'm CSP. I've got about 34 and a half plus years in the regulatory safety manager loss control career. My work experience includes process safety management. I don't need to get into the details of that real-life experience, but it does have some relevance in today's topic as far as system-based approach. I've been with Alliant for a couple of years now. I'm in their energy and marine specialties group, and then I'm also assigned to our risk control services business unit, which is a consulting group within the energy and marine. So, yeah, that's a little bit about myself. You know, Mark, as a fellow safety professionals, you and I have kind of had several conversations about process and procedure and, you know, what makes an effective safety program and what and what doesn't. And I know today you're going to talk about the, the systems approach, which back in the 1950s, uh, Edward Deming basically developed a continuous quality improvement process that has, like other aspects of safety, evolved over the years and has kind of worked its way into safety management. I know that I've embraced it since the 90s, as you have as well. And can you give us a little bit about the framework of the process and what makes it different from a traditional and more compliance-based safety management practice? You know, the the traditional, of course, it's been around for a long time. It's the basis for most companies and organizations' safety programs. We hear about that all the time, referencing to safety programs. It's you know, it's been structured to comply with regulatory requirements. We have OSHA, of course, is going to be in the occupational safety required elements. If you've got environmental exposures to your operations, EPA is going to kick in. And then, of course, we have DOT covers a lot of our trucking operations and pipeline operations and railroad, et cetera. But the, the, the essence of these regulatory compliance-based safety programs is that, number one, it's really just going by the codes. And I know, Tim, you've seen this as well. A lot of safety manuals, policies and procedures, I've seen a lot of them. It's, it's almost word for word, the, yeah. safety, the, the safety standards themselves. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that, shall not do that. And these standards, I mean, they're slow to be developed yeah. and revised. Part of my career, I was a safety inspector, compliance officer with Fed OSHA, part of my background. So I, I definitely understand how long these standard developments can get played out. And so the companies, you know, they're, they're only going to adjust their own safety programs to the issuance of, of the new standards as they come out. And they're really not grabbing on to progressive ideas in true safety and risk management we're going to really speak to in the, in the system-based approach. You know, the other thing is regulatory standards, they're the bare minimum, right? They don't incorporate best industry practices. Just kind of stick to the regulators have determined is the essence of law, which establishes what those standards need to look at. I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, with organizations that are focused strictly on compliance, you know, I've worked with both sides of the story. And 
I've always found that if I look at risk first and I look at strategies and solutions to address that risk, to reduce risk factors within an organization, which will have an impact on losses, I can gain compliance through doing that. But if I do the reverse and all I do is focus on compliance, I don't necessarily address all the risk factors and have an impact or an influence on the loss picture. Has that been your experience through the years? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Another side effect, I guess, of compliance-based is even how we measure our success, right? It tends to be the lagging in indicators. It's amazing to me, quite frankly, that we still are so focused on total recordable incident rates, the TRIRs yeah. and the DART rates, which we know are, are lagging indicators. Actually, I sat in on a recent webinar. There's a research group out of Colorado State University, the Construction Safety Research Alliance, that has done a complete study on TRIR, its invalidity to actual loss prevention, the effects of, of yeah. loss prevention and, and safety activities, et cetera. And yet we see so many vendors, for example, for contractor qualifications, like the ISNet and the PEC Safety, those kind of organizations that uh, operators like to get subscription services to, and they base their entire qualifications or contractors to perform work for them on lagging indicators of TIs. PRIR and the EMRs and that kind of stuff. Right. And, you know, I think as safety professionals, like a lot of professionals, sometimes we get lost in our own acronyms and our own language. And I know early on in my career, I was trying to create some metrics for an organization I worked for. And I had a guy with a PhD working out the whole incidence rate on a whiteboard. He was the general manager. It was at Hughes Aircraft, actually. And he's working this thing out. I'm like, man, you really have made this a lot more difficult than it is. I've actually gone away from personally using those metrics and going more to a metric that is really looked at by, say, analysts and underwriters. And so because that seems to align better with the financial stakeholders and it's language that people generally understand if you say, hey, this is how many claims you had per million dollars of payroll. That makes sense. But if I say, hey, this is your OSHA incidence rate, they're like, huh, what are you talking about? And then you have you have the skewing effect. And then you also have an issue with when you have salaried and hourly people, you really don't have an exposure that is is necessarily credible. So it, it doesn't really demonstrate, like you say, it's a little bit, it's somewhat invalid compared to the work that's being done. It definitely doesn't have a direct correlation to the, yeah. the higher risk uh, occupation, those that are in the field, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, and compliance-based programs, they're usually standalone. You typically will have your lockout, tagout program, and you have your PPE and your respiratory protection, et cetera. And none of them are integrated. They're all kind of like referenced in the manual. Mm -hmm. And so some tasks that might involve all three of those related programs, you've got to somehow kind of tie those pieces together. It's just kind of fragmented in terms of that approach to compliance. And you definitely don't have processes that identify your organizational risks so Mark, when you're working with an organization, how would you get started? How would you advise, let's say I'm um, working for an energy company or for a logistics company or what have you, how would you recommend they get started with the process if they want to convert from a compliance oriented to a more holistic risk management, say systems-based approach? Google search can be 
kind of your best friend, really. The systems-based approach, just do a Google on system safety, and you're going to get a ton of information, white papers, links to some of the consensus standards that are often used as the framework for system-based safety management. And this you know, you need to get educated. You really need to understand sort of the framework of these standards, this plan, do, check, act that you referenced that came out of the out of the 1950s that was quality management focused, but it really resonates and works well for environmental and quality management as well as, as the safety management. And the beauty of that is now you have an integrated system that the organization across the enterprise, small organizations to very large organizations, they have the same processes that are, are modeled after that framework. And there's a few of them out there that are commonly referenced. You don't have to go out and purchase these up front. I wouldn't recommend that as a starting point. But the ISO 45001, that came out in 2018. That's your Occupational Health and Safety Management Systems. That's really good if you've got global operations because it really suits that global business scene. OSHA actually has the, the recommended practices for safety and health programs. So this is a 2016, I think, is when that came out. And that you can get off of their website. And this was really a revised document that OSHA originally issued like back in, I think it was 1989. But it has a lot of those elements that are in a system safety approach. And then, of course, there's the OHSAS 18001. That's your British standard. And the last one I think is most relevant is ANSI's Z10, Occupational Health and Safety Management Systems document. Again, those, you're going to have to pay for them. One thing I like about the ANSI Z10, Tim, is that it has some, I don't know if you call them supplements, but they've got some really good sections on for example, the severe injury and fatality analysis and uh, workplace violence is another section in that ANSI Z10. I think it's just a really good resource. So I guess that's my first advice. Get yourself educated. Figure out what this is and what it entails and uh, go from there. Well, um, we're kind of running out of time here, Mark, but before we go, do you have any closing remarks? You know, my advice is that Really kind of step out of your comfort zone if you're a safety practitioner, a manager, coordinator, whatever your title and your role is in your respective organization and company. And take. And the first step really is get your senior management involved. You've got to have their support. That is a compelling message that has to be done with the, the senior executives that this is a much more effective risk management approach to your safety program. There's significant returns of investment. The ROI are there. There's a lot of analytics. That could be an entire another podcast for us, Tim. And again, emphasize that this is, can be integrated with other system-based management that may already exist you know, in, yeah. in other parts of the organization, especially on the financial side and the operational side of delivering your services, product, or whatever it is. And the last is that think of this as a continuous improvement strategy. Got this loop, this cycle. And that's really the essence of system-based approach is, is the continuous improvement. I think that's the icing yeah. on the cake. Mark, this has been wonderful. There's a lot of great information, a lot of wealth of knowledge here. I want to just thank everybody that's come on this podcast, taking the time to listen. It's just going to be one of several that we're doing throughout the month. We've got a 
a who's who's list of safety professionals that are that are going to be on. And I think they'll be able to impart a lot of information that can help you in your various organizations as you look to, you know, reduce losses, protect employees and assets of the company. I'm happy to be a facilitator. If you're looking for information, you can email me. T Leach, L-E-E-C-H at Alliant.com. And if you have a need, shoot me an email. I'll make sure that we get the right person in touch with you. And again, thank you for attending and have a very safe day. Thank you for listening. And for more information, go to www.alliant.com.